Welcome to The Foundry, where leaders are forged daily. Each week, we investigate themes of leadership, entrepreneurship, and mindset with some of the greatest minds in real estate. And now, the data scientist of real estate, George Roberts. Welcome back, entrepreneurs. Uh, we have an amazing episode for you today. I'm lucky to be joined by none other than the one and only Julie Holly, founder of The Conscious Investor. Welcome to the show, Julie. I am so excited to be here. I loved meeting you in person last year at an event, at a barbecue and all that. And I'm just like, I'm even more excited to be here. We're equally That's excited. right. We got I to meet decide. in Orlando. Wasn't that a great place to meet? It was a barbecue. I feel like it was maybe even walking distance from the conference, but yes, it but was a good, good, good time. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm excited too, because this is an episode where we could talk about anything. We might talk about multifamily real estate, mountain biking. Mongolian yurts, stoic <laughs> wisdom. There's a lot of places we could go from here. So why don't we just kick it off with your coaching program? You've got a lot of really interesting things going on with your coaching program. I know you have maybe a traditional coaching program where people can uh, become your coachee, your mentee, but you've also got this book club that's kind of like an add-on. So maybe you're not ready to commit to that just yet. You could uh, you can join that as uh, as an a la carte. Yeah. You know, thanks. I love coaching. I was stuck. I'm a high performer. I was absolutely stuck and I wasn't making the progress I wanted to make. And so it was just like, oh my gosh, I was trying everything to get myself out of my own way. And when I started working with a high performance coach, it completely changed my life. <laughs> and that's why I'm like, everybody who sees Julie Holly out there, it's like, I wouldn't be me if I hadn't done the inner work with my high performance coach. Right. And through that process, my coach kept telling me, you need to be coaching. You need to be coaching. You're doing the world a disservice. And so I'm like, kept disqualifying myself. Now I've been coaching for a year and a half and it's just been absolutely phenomenal. I think I I'm now becoming vocal about the coaching because I see the proof of concept. And so I'm someone that likes to like, let me not get on the mountaintop and, you know, say, Hey, everybody I'm coaching. And this is so great. I kind of want to see like, okay, I'm going to quietly do this just like I did with real estate investing. Let me, let me get the proof of concept. And then I'm going to shout it from the mountaintops. Uh, and so, yeah, I performance coach. I It's performance coaching. It's business coaching and um, supporting people in their investing. Really, it's exciting to be able to meet people where they are and to support them on their journey through some practical things to align their businesses, but also that internal work. Like when we want to take our business to the next level, we have to evolve. So we can only take our business and our life to the next level, to whatever level we are at. So mm -hmm. um, that's what the coaching is. I do. I love one-on-one -on -one coaching. I don't have many slots for one-on-one -on -one because I am guarded about my time and I'm guarded about who I bring in as a one-on-one -on -one student, but, um, or client, but it's great. And watching them like build these businesses and mm -hmm. find that personal freedom in their life. It's like Christmas every single day. <laughs> and the book club you mentioned, the book club, it is the book club began just because I wanted outside accountability. And it started right before I started working with a coach. I was like, I 
actually, maybe it was like in tandem with that, but I just started this as outside accountability. So I would finish the book mm. and that was in, in, uh, 2019 or 2020. And it's just, it's stuck around and it's such a great way for people to start that journey into personal transformation. Okay, great. And probably a lot of people out there that may not be natural readers. I know entrepreneurship does attract a lot of doers. Now for me, it's parallel tracks. Why wouldn't you be a reader and a doer? Yeah, be a thinker and an executor. So I imagine being a former teacher, this comes really naturally to you. I mean, you put on the glasses, you almost look like a teacher, but I mean, a really cool teacher, of course. <laughs> so what, what do you do to, I guess you said you keep accountable by doing the book club, but what, what are you, some of your practices? Like for me, I'm using Blinkist and I'm also doing a lot of books on tape. I mean, when I clean the house, when I'm exercising, mm -hmm. I am listening or I'm watching YouTube curiosity stream. What do you do? to keep yourself on track other than the book club. Oh my gosh. I, I'm already ahead. I'm like two books ahead of the book club right now. This is like our, our going to be our third or fourth book, Lead the Field by Earl Nightingale, which is a classic book, right? And it's, so it's kind of fun to dip into like something classic um, for the book club. So I have a practice and it wasn't always perfect. And so listener, I want you to know, like, don't beat yourself up if you're learning how to create your own practices in your life. Like some of it's trial by error, but I've really created self-discipline to where it's like eating right and exercising. I feel so good that I want to do it more. It releases that dopamine and it's like, oh, I want to do that. I want to go work out. I want to eat well because I love how this feels. And this now it's the same way with reading. Quite frankly, it's like I wake up in the morning, I read my Bible and I look at my calendar just to see the day. And then I read for about 30 minutes, 20, 30 minutes. And it's amazing. I was a crappy reader. Okay. Like, so if you're listening to this, like, and you're like, I'm not a reader, I don't I identify as a reader. I didn't either. In fact, I was a writer before I was a reader, which is like, everyone's like, you can't be a writer if you're not a reader. And I always felt like the black sheep in the writing space. But all that to say is that you can become a reader. So I've become and grown into a reader because I'm loving the results that I'm getting. But like you mentioned, I don't just read books. Like there are some books that are so much better as an audible book. And sometimes I'll pick up like, a, what was it? I think it was, um, maybe it was Atomic Habits. There was one book where I picked, it was Atomic Habits. And it was like, I cannot read this. And I had to listen to it. Mm, and I had to okay. listen to it at a faster speed. But like John Acuff or Jocko Wilkes, right? Dichotomy of leadership and things like that. Like, I'm going to listen to those books because they're such good readers. So, I mean, like giving yourself permission, like how you ingest the information, it doesn't have to just be in book format. Like you said, I could, you can listen to it. You can listen to podcasts. You can have YouTube playing in the background. Like we have so, the luxury of so many options. And to double down on that, Earl Nightingale talks about that in this, in one of the chapters, well, you know, I can see, and if you're watching us on YouTube, you can see as well, you've got tabs throughout that book, these <laughs> tabs or whatever, but you know what you need to go back to. And I think that's the best way to read a book. I don't feel like uh, writing in a book, underlining, highlighting is wasting the book. I feel like the only way you can waste a book is to leave it on the shelf. Oh my gosh. Well, think about this. You spent what, maybe 10 to $25 on a book. Mm -hmm. How much money are we spending on going to conferences right. to learn? 
or like buying something like these books, I look at my mm. bookshelf as an investment. It is like, I get this relationship with these people and it changes my life from the inside out. Um, and some of these tabs, yes, most of my books do have tabs. This is, if you're on YouTube, you can see this is motivation manifesto. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very marked up. It's one of my favorite, <laughs> but I, we read five weeks. So I do map out like this is the five weeks. Just so I can kind of see what's the rhythm for the book club. So you got columns and rows. So the columns, that's to keep you on track. And the rows, that's the important information. This is what you got to get back to later on. So it's funny. I was actually going to ask you to reach for a book on your desk because I know that you can do this. I know that you have a desk full of books. And I was going to ask you, bring something out, something that would be uh, amazing. Okay, great. So How to Fight a Hydra. Now, that's a new one to me by Josh Kaufman. Look at the size of this book. Like just yes. like this. Mm-hmm. it's small. If you're on YouTube, you can see my hand is bigger and I'm like 50 a, pages. I'm guessing it's, it's oh, oh no, no. You turned it on the side. I can see this is thick. No, no. It's actually but th- not terribly it's, thick. It's, it's more no, than no. 50. <laughs> it's like a hundred. It's like a hundred pages, but you can see like there's not, it's a fable and it is so profound. It's actually a fable written to teach productivity and to overcome procrastination. And so, but it's written in fable format. It's so profound. Everyone needs to read this book. If you're not a reader, it's a fun one. And this is something you can read with your kids um, that they would understand and they would actually grow from. Super great. So I'll just share with you, I was raised by a retired children's librarian. So I never had trouble being a reader. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> you were a born reader. <laughs> I was a born reader. I had to learn to be a doer and a people person that came later, but the reading, right. that's what I was raised in. <laughs> so what's your favorite book? Oh, well, I, at I the think moment, that, I, well, I'd have to say, you know what, if I'm gonna be honest, my favorite book would, would have to be some work of fiction that I haven't seen for 20 years. I mean, because seriously, that's, I think that's the, the pinnacle of writing. But uh, as far as what I've been reading, I would just have to flip through my Audible because it's funny. Oh, I was yeah. the graduate student who was in the stacks. So as I was always reading something. Oh, here we go. Yeah, I'm still reading this one, The E-Myth. Oh, are you liking yeah. it? I'm liking it. And somebody recommended okay. it on my podcast and mm-hmm. Kenton recommended it like one week later. So I'm thinking, what the heck? I'm I'm hearing this twice in one week. I have yeah. to, have to have to. So I did. And, and it's perfect because it talks about a lot of things that people have trouble with in business. It talks about an entrepreneurial seizure. Okay. If you haven't had an entrepreneurial seizure yet, where you're just trying to do everything, be the chief everything officer, you're not an entrepreneur. Yes. Or you just started. So I don't trust you. <laughs> Tell me about the entrepreneurial <laughs> seizure that you had and how you got out of it, whether it was getting a high performance coach like Julie Holly, or whether it's that you just decided to put some systems in place. But yeah, that that's a great book. I did read Atomic Habits. And uh, part of the problem with reading them in, in uh, ebook format is that I think I sometimes run them together and I can't even tell you where I got the idea. I do have the dichotomy of leadership. That's what uh, Audible is telling me is what I ought to read uh, right after the 48 Laws of Power. So that's right there up on deck. And I also read Hayek, which I'll tell you about being a reader, not being a reader. Hayek is not easy to read, I found. Okay. I started reading The Road to Serfdom and I think, well, I kind of agree with this guy and still I find that he's wordy. 
kind of like I found Ayn Rand the first time. I thought these characters okay. are two-dimensional. Yeah. This is not going anywhere. This novel is a thousand pages. When I came back to it, then it, it's one of my favorites. But Isn't that interesting? Yes. Well, I have to tell you, I do, I do have to dig on Ayn Rand just once before we move forward. Sure. I would say that I feel like she could have written the best novel in the world if she knew how to write a novel. But <laughs> Isn't that, you know, and, and so like maybe that's like, she just has to the growing pains of it all. You know, I want to say though, the way you're talking about the books blurring, I actually think that that's what's so fun about it is that you can start to see if you are, especially like I listened, I'm always listening and ingesting content because it's so invaluable. And like, we all know the more um, knowledge that we gain and Earl Nightingale talks about that in this book, right? The more we grow, the more knowledge we gain, the more skills we develop, the more valuable we become to the world. Like I become more valuable to my investors and to my coaching clients, the more I learn and grow. And so like, it's so critical and important, but that transition that we have where they all start blurring together, it's actually because we're so immersed in it, engaged in it. It's like, we're just swimming in this pool of like knowledge and growing. And it's, it shows that you're engaged and that you're understanding it and you're fusing and building all of these things and weaving them into your life. Wow. So being integrated. That is the best segue. Uh, first, <laughs> I just have to say, if, if you don't like Hayek the first time, like I didn't like Ayn Rand the first time, read Eamon Butler Hayek and, and you might. So about weaving okay. all these wonderful things together. So you're busy with so many things. You got coaching, a book club, exercise, right? You hike, oh, you yeah. mountain bike, <clears throat> personal development, podcasting, syndicating deals that I leave anything else. How do you weave all of this into an integrated whole and make sure that you are really moving the needle of your business while you're doing all these various activities? Wow. It's about stopping, reflecting, and not being actually. So you caught me at an interesting spot because I'm actually at one of those growth moments where, and and we've been entrepreneurs for long enough that we can go like, oh, okay, this is that moment. And you got to like, it's, it could either get out of hand and get it, get away from you and be the horse that ran off. Or you can just literally say, pause everything right now, no matter how scary this is, everything must pause because I need to regroup and I need to make sure everything is in line with where I'm headed. Right. So I actually paused like a a little expansion that I was working on within the business. I actually like reached out to a business partner and said, I just need to pause on this because I need to make sure I'm super clear as to what is taking, like what I'm doing and what's taking place. And then we can move forward. So I think it's really having that, having the strength to say, I'm not going to miss out. The opportunity isn't going to run away from me. And I want to build something so sure footed that I'm going to be building opportunity into my life instead of having um, everything collapse down because it was built, you know, with really poor materials and it can't withstand the the growth that I want for my business and for my life. So it's really being willing to do that. So a lot of pivoting. Oh, I see. And a planning too. So I can see you are a planner, right? And that makes sense. Okay, good, good. 12 weeks. YouTubers really got to see everything right there. Wow. Right. I saw you planning your life this morning. You have your post on LinkedIn recently came out where you are showing how you are actually spending time mountain biking. Your husband has time to go get lost in the woods with his fly reel. Wow. That is really cool. Oh, she's got her planner up. 
But yeah. what, I, what I'm hearing from, like what I'm seeing, I'm seeing your planner, okay? But what I'm hearing is that it's even more important to be agile and to be able to pivot. It really is. So we have to be really in tune with our greater vision. And that's something that we work on, you know, in the coaching realm, you know, we help people align. Like I help people align with what is the purpose? Like, what is the contribution that you want in this world? What is this vision of like your ideal self? And then let's build that life. A lot of times that we're so focused on today that we are not even looking at what is the life that ultimately, if I were to look back, what is this beautiful life that I have? And then be that person right now. And that sounds really weird, but it's like, I'm constantly just looking to my ideal self and saying like, oh, that's who she is. And I love her. And she's doing, she's just empowering people in such profound ways. And then I just adopt that identity every single day. Like, oh, that's me. (laughs) Right. And so we kind of collapse that timeline a bit and that keeps us agile. And so like, as I look at my schedule, I literally just changed my scheduling link. I'm like, oh, wow. I need um, to have, quite frankly, a little breathing room. I need some more quiet space in my life, some white space to be able to create more. And so building that, integrating it. But I think sometimes we just want to set it and forget it. And what we really need to do is say like, we need to, it's just like breathing, right? And saying like, okay, what is it that I need at this time? What does my business need at this time? What does my family need at this time? So we can create the master plan and then we're just kind of, it's not like those dates are set in stone, but the rest of it just is like this, be aware, be present and just move and be be fluid with it. Right. Reminds me of Epictetus, if I'm not mistaken, decide what you will be and then do what you must do. There you go. Thinking strategically. I, I know stoic. you love that stoic wisdom. I do. <laughs> so a lot of people in business see business as all about executing. Maybe that's more of a corporate thing. Oh, just execute, 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 right? Right. The plan already came down from the top. Just execute. <laughs> and uh, But there's also the value in pivoting, like you said, following through is a big thing, but recognizing, hey, this isn't working for me. This isn't moving the needle in my business or my life. And I remember another touching post you made about why I quit 75 hard. You weren't having the time with your family and you decided this, this just isn't for me, at least not now. Mm, That was a really, and and that's a great point of pivot. It's like, it was well-intended. I was doing it. I was in there 40 days, you know, and in that 75 hard, you know, like challenge and everything. And I remember that Sunday afternoon, honestly, like makes me teary eyed even now, because it was like what am I doing? Am I chasing this? And the heart, heartbeat of that is like, we always have to reground ourselves. What is a net result of this? Is it in line with really that ideal version of myself? So sure, I'm going to complete the challenge and I'm going right. to, I'm pretty fit and athletic and all that already, but I did get some better eating habits from it. And so like, okay, that's great. But where's my, my family? Where are my relationships? Where is, and so like, just always looking for a greater alignment and giving yourself permission to say, you know what, that was well-intended. That was a good idea, but that was like an offshoot. And if I stay on this, it's going to take me further away from where I really want to be and what, what my life is really headed for. And so 
I can, you know, almost like growth on a, this is a great analogy. If we're looking at growth on trees or on plants, we have to prune it back. It's good that the plant is growing and expanding, but you know what? Too much growth is actually going to break a limb off of a tree. And so we prune it back and we clip off some of that new growth so that everything else can be surge and create strength within, you know, the plant or the tree, same thing with our life. Like if we can just look at our life and say, this is something good, but I need to release that so that this has full strength and optimum um, potential. I just love that tree metaphor. Thank you. Uh, So I think that the lesson, if I'm hearing you is that it's okay to go off in different directions, as long as you're always reassessing, reflecting and course correcting. There you go. Thank you. You you just nutshelled it right there. Well, I'm just doing my food. best. I've been studying Julie Holly. I mean, we are in the same <laughs> engagement group. That's one of the reasons why I read all your posts, but <laughs> I like them. I so it's, it's only one. But yes, I, I've been following you for a while and uh, really appreciate your approach. So here's another thing that comes from your approach. You, you talk about how many people are unbalanced in the mm-hmm. sense that they're always just looking, you know, gosh, what if this goes wrong? What if I embarrass myself? Mm-hmm. And they're not really looking at, well, what if this goes right? I mean, this could be something really big in my life. Maybe I should commit to this. Possibly it's worth maybe shutting down, you know, trading one thing for the other and just going for it. So what do you do to make sure that you don't get unbalanced like that? Or maybe you're coaching students. I feel like you're already beyond this. Oh you're, my you're, gosh. you're seeing the upside. No, no, you still, even Julie Holly is seeing, I've got it's, to go and rebalance. So I love this because, you know, I mean, we're, that's a very recent social, well, it's something I engage with often that a concept of balance is so out of whack. And so, so many people are like, I got to have a balanced life and in their minds, picture this listener, you're picturing more than likely scales um, and they're equally balanced. And that's what most people, uh, I find most people are thinking that's what balance is. So it's like, oh, if I put too much in this side of the scale, it's going to be lopsided. That's not a balanced life. I'm shifting that approach and saying balance is like walking. And so if we're walking, we stay balanced because we are in constant movement. We are moving forward. If you are just taking a stride and you step and you just stay on that one foot, you're going to feel wobbly and you're going to feel out of balance. You might topple over or you might start hopping. And if you hopped for a lifetime, that would, you know, really whack out your hip. So we have to like keep making that stride forward. That's what creates that balance. And so instead of looking at our life as like, okay, I have to have this like straight line equilibrium tit for tat. Like if I do 30 minutes over here, I got to do 30 minutes over there. That's not realistic. (laughs) So really when we look at balance, we want to be looking at, um, well, like my calendar here that my husband and I, I love paper. I have to see it. So that's why if you're on YouTube, you see this paper calendar. Mm -hmm. It's like, sitting down with my husband saying, what does this year look like? What kind of trips do we want to take? Okay. Well, are we spending all of our time traveling and everything? No, we still pour into our businesses and into different ways. So does that mean we're out of balance? No, we're putting that balance into our life. We're weaving it in. So we can do that on a macro level. And then we can do that on that micro level, looking at how am I creating that white space for myself in my life, in my day? How am I creating space for my family? So my business shuts down. Like I pick my kids up from school 
And I will say, I'll probably work an hour after sometimes, not all the time. I might work an hour after I pick them up from school, but pretty much like, Hey, if my kids are at school, I'm on and I am working and I am serving and supporting investors and coaching clients. When my kids are home, I'm mom hat and wife hat and friend hat. And before all of that starts, it's me time, (laughs) you know? So it's like, even in the day, figuring out, and then I'm going to go one step further and say, I'm going to, I don't know if I should share this with everybody because I don't know how it'll be received, but I've actually shifted my calendar. So when people schedule with me, right. I'm telling you guys something, I don't know if I should actually say this out loud, but I actually changed it. So on certain events that you schedule with me, it cannot be a zoom event. It is a phone call. And that was me taking care of me. I felt like I'm sitting too much. I'm an active person. I'm sitting too much. I'm behind a screen. I feel like I have to be here. And and then that means I have to be video ready, whatever that means to people. Right. And so like just taking that phone call was me saying, I see you and you want to go for a walk and talk to that person. You go for a walk and stretch your legs and talk and have that conversation. (laughs) Great. Yeah, I found myself standing up on Zoom calls recently. Right. Uh, nice thing about backgrounds. Yours is very nice, by the way. Bonders Ferry, Idaho, right? Yep. <laughs> All right. Yeah, sounds amazing. 